Hey, Jason Rice here with Lot Party. We've had two episodes, or we have two episodes with Ed French for this Lot Party show. This is going to be the second one. Go see the first one. It was done last week. This is the second episode of a deeper dive in used corporation. Ed gave some great content on what it takes to turn around a dealership's inventory. But here's episode two. I hope you enjoy it. So, so we do want to touch, touch base, base on some, some of those other things. So what are some of the, other than the inventory now, we've got that broken down, what's the next steps? I take a, I take a really granular look at the dealership attributions. Um, so what is the pricing model for the store? A lot of dealers I work with uh, don't really have a, a, a pricing model that they adhere to. Um, it's, it's reactive, not rules-based. Yeah. And so I work with them on what, what are the rules of your pricing model? How frequently do you make pricing changes? Again, I'm plugging them in based upon the segment of inventory distribution. Um, but what is it that you're really looking at when you're looking at making pricing changes? And are you allowing the person that purchased the car to make the price change or is it science instead of swag? Okay. Uh, that's probably the number one thing I see within a dealership is we're allowing the person who, who is emotionally attached or bonded to this car because they bought it yeah. and their career might be on the line to reprice the car <laughs> as opposed to pricing it uh, scientifically or to what the market may be demanding. Yeah. yeah. Take a look at inventory health. So. Go ahead. Well, as I say, with the pricing part, then uh, dig a deeper. I mean, obviously, sometimes their pay plans are affected of that too. But um, what are obviously you customize it a bit with the dealers because you want to go over that with them and figure out what it is. But what would your suggestion be? How often should a dealer do a price change, and what kind of pricing philosophies or do you suggest for yourself as a suggestion to those dealers? Well, again, it depends on the distribution. The distribution of inventory, Jason. Yeah. Frankly, uh, an A car. Uh, we may not price, uh, we may not change it frequently. We may only change that one. Uh, it could conceivably be only a couple of times a month. A B car, we could be changing that car uh, every two or three days. Wow. A C car, three times a month is generally the rule. And uh, CPO, I'm looking at uh, twice monthly for those as well. So, so this is the B cars. We really focus on price change. All right. So, so what's the if, if if a store's on a sixty, would the B be on a forty-five or fifty, or would that be the C? I mean, do you have um, are those on a goal to move? If you're moving it two or three times a week, or, or you know, are that often? Is it a shorter life cycle? Yeah, actually, Jason, what I try to do with the B car is match it up to their break-even days in stock. So when I go in and do the vitals, I actually go through their financial statement and look at what is the current break-even days in stock. So in other words, how long can they hold a car before it begins to cost them money? Mm -hmm. And then match that up to what their present aging policy is. So let's say they have a 60-day term policy for their inventory, but their break-even days in stock off their financial statement maybe 34 days. Hmm. We're gonna take that B car and put it in the 34 day term policy. Uh, it goes to number one in reconditioning. Um, it gets frequent price changes. It gets a phenomenal amount of review relative to SRP and VDP activity. Uh, we take a quick look at the, uh, again, I'm, I'm paying special attention to those over 17, $18,000 transaction price cars or ask price yeah. so that we make sure that those cars are turning quickly. Yeah. So. 
I begin. I actually match it up to their break-even days in stock. Okay, that's perfect. So again, I'm sorry to cut you off. So what? After the pricing analysis and how often it changed, what, where were you going with that next then? I'm looking at management. Okay. Uh, management really drives inventory asset return in my mind. So I look at the type of selling process they have. Are they rules-based or reactive management? A lot of stores I go into uh, are reactive. They don't really have the metrics in place. They don't really have the rules in place and um, they don't really adhere to them and they don't make the management rules the way that the business operates. They're actually changing the way the business operates based on reacting to what might, whatever fire is burning, so to speak. So yeah. I really work hard with them on what does your selling process look like? How easy is it to buy a car? What metrics are you paying special attention to specifically when it comes to uh, the virtual dealership and the bricks and mortar and really working strongly with them on building foundational management metrics that create success. So of those metrics, what do you think is the biggest one or maybe the, you know, the top two or three or five that you would say if a dealer is going to be tracking and trending anything, these are the top three or five that you would say that they have to be doing? They, they don't pay enough attention to their CRM and live and die by their CRM activity. Okay. They, the, the best of the best, Jason, live in their CRM. Uh, managers normally live in dealer track and they don't live in the CRM. And what I encourage them to do is stop living in dealer track because dealer track is a result of what your CRM activity is. And so I really focus with them on keep the CRM open watch it 10, 12, 13 times a day, look specifically at activity, spot trends, and don't sit in your chair. All right, so, so when you're talking about they spend a lot of time in dealer track, you're talking about the desking and the approvals and stuff like that, and not so much what the how many ups and how many phone calls and how many email leads we got, right? Okay, and so I just want to make sure it's clear for everybody. So a lot of deal, a lot of people are too worried about the now and what am I what am I shooting out the door today and what are we working on versus how many leads, how many phone calls, what are we doing with this customer? How, okay, and so if there's a metric in there again, if the dealer says if you sat down with the dealer say pull this number, look at it weekly, daily, how many calls, how many emails, how many what what are those numbers response time? What's that metrics that you would say? In that CRM that they got. If I was going to only be given one metric to measure, it would be appointments. How many appointments are we making? Okay. That's it. Now, uh, and I, I, I tipped on this the other, uh, on my other show, I have an appointment log and we do appointments to show to sold and delivered. And I think that's real important. Um, and I'm bringing this up now as this part of the tip is. I separate sold versus delivered. My definition of a sold is getting a customer in the door. They, we go back and forth. We say, here's your charge, here's your trade, here's your payment. And they go, yes, I, that's fine. And then we pull a credit app and have them sign a buyer's order. And at that time, that's a sold deal. To me, my internet did, team did their job, or the salesman did their job, AutoTrader, Cars.com, whoever sent it did their job. But as soon as we pull the credit and they score 400 or they need two grand down and not one grand down or they you know, need a co-signer and the deal falls apart and we can't deliver it, um, I think it's important to kind of separate those two to be able to see. Uh, don't I, I think 
because a lot of dealers cancel sites like AutoTrader, Cars.com, CarGurus, because they go, man, I'm not, I'm not setting any appointments, I'm not getting leads off AutoTrader, might as well get rid of them. I'm like, well, no, I mean, you, if you just look at sold data, maybe you're selling a lot of them, not just delivering them. You know, if you just go in your CRM and say, hey, I got 10 leads and only sold none or one, um, that's all your CRM is going to show you. But if you did a sold versus delivered, you might have sold six of them and delivered one. The other five fell apart because of credit or down payment and things like that. So I think it's a little bit deeper dive, but um, appointments is the key. Uh, what's some, another one that you think is, is the next thing that they should be looking at? Well, appointments and show. I mean, obviously, we can make a lot of appointments, but if we're not making them strongly enough so that they show, uh, that that those are the those are the big two in my mind. And I totally agree with your with your uh, analysis of sold versus delivered. Uh, everybody on paper. I want to get everybody to say yes. Yeah. And then we'll sort out. Well, and I, I went into that because we, we, where I was selling, we, we had a lot of bad pays. And my, you know, I was running an internet department, and the GM would come in, hey, your internet department, this guy sucked last month, he only did eight cars. And I look at it, and he actually sold 15, but we only delivered eight because the other seven fell apart. And once they started tracking it and realizing, hey, this lead provider gives us a high percentage of, of sold, not delivered, now I'm working those leads a different way and setting appointments on approvals instead of on cars and things like that. But... Um, you know, one of the things that we do do for dealers, because my internet background, we help them set up internet processes and track and trim things. One of the things I think is huge for them to track is how many calls and emails are activities per lead. So we'll pull out how many outbound calls they do, how many emails they're sending out, and divide that by how many leads are, that they have. And, and, you know, if the activities per lead is going down, your appointments are going to go down. You know, okay, why are our appointments down? Well, do we, how many phone calls? Is our calls up or down? Or is our emails up or down? Or is our leads up and down? So as you as you start opening one thing up, it's it's like an onion. There's another. There's whole other layers to why is our appointments down? Well, how many calls we do? Our calls are down. Well, is our calls down because we have less leads? You know, so like leads to put our uh, activities to leads. I think is real important for dealers to be looking at to be able to maintain. That's the hardest part. Like you you know it. I see it all the time. You get a dealer to a certain level. But to maintain it is the trick. It's the consistency. That goes back to my rules-based management. You know, if they're if they're only focused on what they're trying to deliver as opposed to focused on the continual activity in the store, you know, today's showroom activity is a direct result of how how well management operates within their CRM to manage that activity, manage those appointments, mm -hmm. manage those shows. So yeah. you're right. Yeah. And I mean, because I mean, my appointments could be up 20% or high five and, our, uh, you know, ourselves, but maybe our leads were up 50%. You know, maybe we're only up 20% because our leads were up 50% and we should actually be disappointed because we're not at the level of, a, of our leads. So, yeah, I mean, that makes a good point. Paying attention to that CRM because a lot of times we're too busy about putting deals, the now deals together and not looking enough at what else is stern and, and then staying consistent at that. All right, so. We're real busy and then we wake up and don't have any traffic. <laughs> what happened was is we let go of the uh, – we let go of the CRM and lost our activity. Yeah, well, I, and I watch that, and I see those trends because we pull it every week. And I see when our phone calls are up this week, guess what happens? Uh, it, it was because our leads were down. So our phone call activity goes up, and then we're slow. And the next week, those people that we called last week come in this week, 
and we sell a lot, but then our activities drop off because we're too busy selling. And then, then we go, oh crap, it's slow. Next week it's slow because we're selling last week. We didn't make it. And then we crank up the phone calls again. And it's so consistent on we're busy, we're slow, so hit the phones. Oh crap, we're busy, can't hit the phones. And then, we're, and it's so that consistency is the hardest thing for anybody to, in their life of just running a dealership to get those processes going. So, in a nutshell, again, you said you have five things that you focus on. What are those five things, again, to help that dealership take a pricing model? Pricing model. Frequency of pricing changes mm-hmm. is two. Inventory health is three. ABCs. Management is four. Is it rules-based or reacting? Yep. And then the last one is, what does your virtual presence look like? What, what, what is your website? Is it a browsing tool? Or is it a sales tool? Mm-hmm. And is it customer cookie cutter? That that's the that's the significant focus. Mostly I see websites that are designed by third parties that were designed to make the OEM happy. Mm-hmm. And then they were designed to not necessarily sell or have ease of shopping. They were designed to create a uh, a stopping place for the customer to fill out a form <laughs> to uh, create a contact. Yeah. And, and frankly, that ship is sailing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's getting further and further out to sea. And we as dealers have got to acknowledge that uh, our websites as an industry are way behind many of the other industries where consumers can go and shop, click, put it in a shopping cart, check out, and it ends up at their front door. Now, obviously, we know we probably aren't going to be able to recreate that in our industry, but we are going to have to make it easier to find the data, easier to find information, and easier to communicate uh, when it comes to uh, a dealer's website. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? The point-click delivery, I mean, isn't too far away what Carvana is doing. I interviewed uh, the management from there a few weeks ago. But the um, Colin Crane, yeah, in the, they're, they're doing some of that stuff. And dealers, I even had a, a, a Buick store, Buick GMC store in Florida saying, hey, I, I want what companies do you know that I could get to, on my site to allow people just to buy and click, you know, or cl- cl- you know, click and buy online? So I know it's an avenue a lot of dealerships are looking at. Um, but mobile, too, right? I mean, a lot of, even if the website's decent, is it layout mobile Can customers go through that inventory? How much do you touch on that much with the dealership? Well, obviously, mobile is huge. Uh, obviously, by 2020, 80% of what we're going to be doing is going to be done on mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, we work really strongly with dealers uh, creating a, a terrific responsive mobile strategy. Uh, I, I think that I see our specific offers that can be done on uh, specific vehicles that you offer for sale with price point and payment. Mm -hmm. And then obviously the transition to the ADA uh, where you've got, uh, you know, Google has uh, made our mobile strategy, uh, uh, made a significant change with it. We've got to adjust with uh, the mobile strategies. So as we wrap up here, you know, I imagine there's a lot of um, managers that are either taking over an inventory or a lot of managers looking at the current inventory and going, oh, man, where do I start? This is a mess. Um, if, they, if, you, if they had the two hours a day to focus somewhere and just say, hey, if you just can put your blinders on for the next week and just focus this, what would that one thing be? 
If somebody's struggling inventory or they walk in and it's a big mess, age, no, no policy, nothing, just where do I start to get this thing turned around? I'd start with the pricing model. What is the pricing model? How frequently is it changed? Um, then, I'd, then I'd secondarily back that up with how healthy is the inventory? Um, you know, is it, what, where are we relative to present condition of term? Where are we present condition of age? And does the inventory match the marketplace I'm in? I go to a lot of dealerships and, and the inventory doesn't match the marketplace that they're in. Okay. They're in Texas and they don't have any trust, yeah. as an example. Yeah, yeah. Um, then I focus on what, what is the management's rules for inventory term and inventory profitability? And then I'd finish up with looking at the virtual strategy, because obviously the virtual strategy is going to be how you're going to make that inventory term. Now, I'm going to back you up to the first one, because I imagine with the pricing, because a car ages because we lose focus of it. We just, somebody, it's been... 30, 40 days, and the price didn't change. But with that, though, if this is the first place they're going to attack is, okay, where we price, how we price, when's the last time we've been priced? I would, I would also guess those photos and descriptions at that point in time and making sure that you do a virtual lot walk and, okay, now I priced it here. Let's make sure my check engine lights aren't on or the photos are looking good. And we're at the time of the year. We've been there for a while, but you shouldn't have any trees in the background without any leaves on it, you know, and get rid of those winter photos by now, definitely. Um, to clean up any of that age stuff. All right, so. We, we really look at that first. We call it curb appeal. What's your yeah. virtual curb appeal? Yeah. What does it, you know, I know that a lot of dealers focus on, uh, the, the title of this uh, workshop is lot party. Yeah. Uh, virtual lot party is significant uh, in turning something around because you see it every day as well as I do. Um, Dealerships can be really great once you get there, but that virtual presence can be a little sloppy sometimes, yeah. and that causes customers not to call, not to make the appointment, not yeah. to show, and ultimately the front door doesn't swing open. And I tell dealers all the time, you might get 10 ups today in your lot or 50, 40 ups today in your lot, but you're going to have 500 or 1,000 on your virtual lot. I'll take two or three holes in my front line before I, I take messed up photos and descriptions on my virtual lot. Um, but they're so worried about the front line stuff. All right, we've got two minutes left. Contact information. What's your website, email address, Twitter, Facebook, anything like that? LinkedIn, what do you want to throw out there? Where do we get a hold of you? I'll start with my website. It's autoprofitllc.com. Excellent. Uh, you can reach me at auto, uh, autoprofitllc at gmail.com is my email address, and my phone number is uh, 239 209-7530, and I'd love to have the opportunity to help anybody across the country. Perfect. So, and again, me and Ed like to work together. We, we're not conflicting in what we do. I think he does a great job on that foundation and, and how to structure that department and visit in-house. And I'm behind the scenes and grinding every week to help dealers analyze every car in stock and figure out which ones we got to adjust now. So I think it's a good mix. If you guys want some in-house foundation structure help, hit Ed up. You know, if you happen to need some daily routines and somebody monitor every week and tweaking cars, you know, give me a call at Lot Pop. But I hope you enjoyed this Lot Party show every Monday. And Ed, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Bye. Hey, Jason Rice, check this out. We got the Lot Party Cruise newsletter now if you go to lotpop.com we have the place up at the top to sign up for the newsletter which will give you links to the newest show the previous show our newest tip 
our, our party files where we talk about the bad photos and descriptions that people have done. We also have Tommy Gibbs uh, Zinger tips in there. So we have some great content. Sign up for our newsletter. Go to lotpop.com. You can also see our Twitter link there, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Google+. We're on iTunes also. So check out iTunes. Look for Lot Party. Uh, you can just listen to the episodes there. Or if you happen to be a Droid user, it's also on SoundCloud. You can get the SoundCloud app and everything that we put out there is uh, on a podcast too to just listen to. So again, hit lotpop.com. You can go join our Lot Party crew at the top, get the newsletter, and have all this content coming to you every week. Every Tuesday after the show Monday, if you missed it, don't worry about it. With the newsletter Tuesday, we'll send a link to the latest show and all the current information and greatest newest tips. Thanks.